so honored to be here with all you guys saying thank you so much for coming and every one of you who came so from so far away. It is such an honor for me to just be here and yeah, man, the Father just overwhelmed me in worship. And I know that He's going to impart something amazing tonight because He is so good. He is glorious, He is holy, He is righteous, He's set apart, there is no one like Him. Mm. And so just, I guess, just before I go on, I'd just like to introduce myself. My name is PD, stands for Peter Daniel. There in South Africa, they tend to sometimes shorten the name. So my name is PD and my surname, uh, which I am sure most of you have, may, have, may have seen and been like, what is, how do you say that? <laughs> uh, it's Van der Westeisen. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> Again, Van der Westeisen. Okay, okay. <laughs> right. So, as I sat here, the Father just just shared with my heart, or sort of shared with my heart already, and and it also, and I just realized that everything, everything that we are here for, everything that we know of our God, it started with 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 one event, and that was it was about some water for some fishermen in the boat and Yeshua walking up to them and he had two words to say follow me and in those two words thousands upon thousands of years from Mount Sinai to the prophets to everything else everything that we know led up to those two words follow me the simplicity of the gospel follow me and when they heard that it's incredible because they got out of the boat and they they followed. It, it's like they, it, and, and I believe that that moment was, and they were, I believe, personally, I believe they were overwhelmed with the Spirit of God in that moment to get out of a boat for a man and follow him. And guys, get this Yeshua hasn't, he's not gotten across for them yet. He hasn't done any of that yet. Yet they saw, and they, they were like, we need to follow him. And, and all the people along the way, before he got on the cross, they left things to follow him. Amen. Yes. And Yeshua, he was strict. He said, you know, he said, he told the rich man, you know, you want to follow me? Are you sure? Because I want you to go and sell every single thing you have and come and follow me. Because he knew that his heart was in the world. And Yeshua hadn't even died yet, yet he had that standard. But today... As we said here, he has died. When we're coming off of Passover, I'll never bread his, his death, his burial, his resurrection into new life. It all talks about that. And it all talks about the seriousness of this matter where, where they had a responsibility back then. Today I'm professing to you that we have a responsibility that surpasses everything that they had. And we will one day stand before him and we will be held to that standard, that equally yoked standard of our resurrected bridegroom. You see, and, it's, and I'm not talking about a works thing. I'm talking about a, a sacrificial heart that the Father wants from us. Where, where no, if He says, pick up your cross and follow me, we truly go and we follow. Excuse me, can I get some water? Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you.
So, and then it's that simplicity, it's that thing. And then today I want to pose that simple question to you. You know, we are all sitting here because we believe in the Messiah, I trust, we do. But I want to ask the question, are you sold out? Is it all gone? Is it, has you, have you died with Him? Have you truly died with Him? Or has it been a kind of a, you know, I, I'm, I'm professing with my mouth, I'm giving Jesus, come into my heart, Yeshua, come into my heart. But have you died? Have you laid everything down? Have you gone, as if God told you, like that rich man, if he told you everything you have, everything, I, I, I don't care if you've got a family, I don't care if you've got this or that, if, every, if, you, if I tell you today, if Yeshua told you today, sell everything, pick up your cross and follow me, I want to ask you the question, will we do that? And that's a hard question, but that came from the mouth of our Messiah. And so that means that means that and if our heart is not there, if, if you do that or that audit, that introspection, and you feel like your heart is not there, we need to get on our knees tonight. And we need to get our hearts there. Because you don't want him to come back and your heart is not there. Because you're gonna stand before him and he's gonna say, You did all these things, you did all the study, you had all the knowledge, you sat in, in a church and you did all these things, but your heart was not there. You loved the world. You see, and that's the most scary place that we can be. It's and, and more and my, my heart breaks because the reality is is that there's going to be many and one day come before him. There's going to be many that come and, and he's going to say, you know, you caused out demons, you you healed the sick, you even raised the dead up at you. But I never knew you. You thought you knew me. You know, and, and it's like we can know about our president. We, you can know about all these people, our leaders. We can know about them. We can do, you know, but, but do they, does he know us? You know, does, does Messiah know us? And he will know us how? The simplicity of the intimacy that we have with him. The relationship we have with our bridegroom. So, we haven't even started yet. Um, so I, I wrote a book about um, uh, about a year ago now and, and re- released a book about a month ago and the, the book is called Reigniting Spirit and Truth and it talks about spirit and truth and what I believe the Father is doing today in this age, this, this modern age we're at right, in, in right now and, and I believe that the Father is doing something that the, the world has never seen before. And I don't think the world is ready for it. Uh, I think God, but I think there's a remnant that is. And I think God is right now busy preparing that remnant for that holy walk of the Messiah. Both in the demonstration of the Spirit and in power, as well as in the ho- walking in the holiness He died for us to walk in. Like Pastor David said, not, 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 not working towards some holiness, but because he died and he declared that high priest that he is, he declared us holy. Now we continue in that holiness. We don't spit in his face by our works. We, we exalt him and lift him up and we glorify him by our walk. We walk just as he walked. You see, this thing I'm talking about tonight is so simple. It's the simplicity of just walking as he walked. It's just looking at what did he do from, from the beginning to the end and doing the same thing. Imitation of our Messiah. Amen. Amen. 
So, um, for those of you who don't know me, I have a, a, a YouTube channel um, called Rise on Fire, where the father a few years ago just, just moved my heart to, to start sharing online to the world, uh, just what, what he's been placing on my heart. And um, So you can go find that there if you'd like, you can just search Rise on Fire on YouTube. And uh, so all of us have a different journey. Each one of us, as we sit here today, you each have a story, you each have something, you each have a testimony. And, and I have something to share with you tonight too, a testimony. And, and I don't believe my testimony is special. I don't believe my testimony is, is, some, is, is um, something unattainable or something you know, like that. I believe my testimony is simply the grace of God that was poured out on me and a, 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 an example, a, a thing where we can go and look at and see, you know, God did it there, He can do it in my life. You know, God did it, he, and I want to proclaim that everything I'm going to share tonight is not about me, it's about you. It's about God saying, everything I did here, I want to do in your life. Okay. So, as I said, it's, it's about walking as he walked, and that was my cry. It was that I came to, you know, I grew up in a Dutch Reformed church in South Africa, um, you know, very, uh, you know, uh, held, up to, held up to commandments, you know, but the, the Holy, the, the Ruch HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, it, it, there was a lack there, and I didn't even knew there was a lack, you know, that's, that's all I knew. But one day, you know, when I, as a teenager, I fell on my knees one day in my bedroom, and I said, Father, I want to follow you, but which way? Because there's 33,000, I probably work more, more as we're standing here, denominations today. And, and it's like, almost like everyone, it's like 33,000 ways to God, or, or 33,000 different choices, and 33,000, how, where do I go, was my question. Father, what, which way? And, and the Father, and, and you know, I just said, Lord, it, it has to, there's something wrong, because it can't be, I just don't see this in my scriptures. It's not there. And the father, a week later, I didn't tell my parents anything, I didn't tell anyone anything about this, but a week later, the father took us out of the church, and he took us to, on a journey in, a, in our home, and he, and he poured out things to us that we've never heard about before. Something, things like keeping the, actually keeping the instructions of the father, I, I, and I'm talking about all of them that, that we can, holding on to them. And... So in that journey, we started going, we started learning about things like the feast days of the Father, the, the fourth commandment in the ten that no one wants to talk about, the one we have forgotten, the very one that God says, remember. And not, not only that, multitudes, other things that we have inherited that I realized were, were lies. Things that were man-made teachings, man-made tra traditions that is just not in our scriptures. And as, I, as we came out, come, came out of that place, we, a few years later, I moved into my university. I moved into uh, you know, um, groups of fellowships, and we studied the Word. And then we, we went on this journey of tasting everything and holding on to what is good. And, and, just not, and, and I just didn't care anymore for what, what people had to just say. I wanted to know what my Messiah said. Because I didn't just want to walk like a pastor. I didn't just want to walk like this evangelist. I didn't walk, I wanted to walk like he walked. And, and it's so, you know, it's not, it's not rocket science, it's not complicated, and it doesn't need to be. And, if, and, and I want to submit to you that if you've been in a place where you feel like this is so complicated, you know, maybe we need to just take a step back and be like, well, what did he do? Let's just, let's just start there. Let's just imitate that. 
And, and I'm not against traditions. I'm not against because they can be good. You know, they can they can they can edify our walk as well as long as they don't get in the way of the the, the holy word of the scriptures, right? But, but we, I came to that realization. But then something else happened. Because now I, I started realizing all these things. And, but but I, I, was, I was prideful. Because I wanted to tell everyone about it. Because I, I, I knew it was the truth. I wanted to tell everyone. But the way I wanted to do it, I was like, you know what? I'm right and you're wrong. You know, that, that was my, my thing. It was like, I, I've got something that you don't have. If I'm going to be honest. That was my heart. And no one wanted that. No one wanted this. And I was kind of confused, like, why wouldn't you want this kind of thing, right? But then I started realizing that I don't have love. I don't feed the orphan, the widow, the poor man, and I don't even care. I, I realized that, you know, I didn't, my motive wasn't to share, to see them come to, to, to walking as my Messiah, to come to walking in love. My, I wanted to share because I want to show that I've got something to show or whatever the case is. Yeah. And I found that in many of my brothers and sisters who had the same kind of revelations, it was the same kind of thing. And we were so blinded by each other's revelations and knowledge and sharing that we couldn't even see that we were turning into Pharisees. And see, but then the Father in His grace and mercy he came and He showed me this and He, and he opened my eyes and I, and I fell on my knees yet again one day in my room and I said, Father, I've got all these things that, that I prayed for the first time that you showed me. But I don't have the heart. I don't have the love. I don't have any of that. Lord, you need to let me walk like Yeshua because I don't walk on him like, like him in that way. About three years after I or three years or so after I prayed that prayer, I had a dream where I was standing in the streets of Israel. I never had a dream from God before. I've never done anything too spiritual before as in the Holy Spirit or I haven't had encounters or visions or dreams or anything like that. And, but I had this dream and in this dream I was standing in Israel in the streets of Jerusalem in a marketplace. And, and there's this little boy before me, about 10 years old. And, and, I'm, and I'm telling this boy, you know, and there's this little girl before him too, and I'm telling this boy, pray for her, because there's something wrong with her shoulder. And, and I'm kind of discipling this boy in a way where I'm, 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 t I'm teaching him how to pray for her. And he prays for her shoulder, and, and she couldn't lift it high, but, but he prays and she gets healed. She lifts it up and she's, she's so joyous and happy in this dream. And she turns around, she runs to her Jewish mother, and she brings the mother, and and I and, and the mother is like, what happened? Because, and I'm like, this is Yeshua. This is this is you know, this is this is what he's done. And and I wake up, and I'm like, what, what was this about? And and I, and I didn't even know was this from God at that moment because I didn't even know you know, but but I had a feeling and I fasted and I prayed. And as I fasted and prayed, that that was a, like a, a Sunday, and the next weekend the next uh, Saturday I was in my room and there as I was sitting in my room I had this thought come and it was just a thought out of nowhere it wasn't a, a, a light out of heaven or anything like that just a normal thought and this thought was go to Hatfield Square there's someone you need to meet and Hatfield Square is just this place nearby where I lived um, as I was studying in Pretoria in South Africa at that point and 
And I'm like, what is I'm thinking? I'm thinking, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of like frustrated. I'm like, what, why is this thought here? And it doesn't want to leave. It keeps popping up. And I'm, and I'm like, what? And, but I'm like, okay, fine. And I'll get in my car. And I like, got in my car. I drove up into Hatfield Square. I got out of my car. And there's this guy right there that meets me as I'm out of my car. And he starts telling me about his hardships, his story, and all kinds of stuff like that. And, and, but all I'm thinking about is that thought I had at home. And, this, and I'm just like, and again, this, this thought comes, there's just this thought, and I'm just like, there's something wrong with his shoulder. I don't know why I'm thinking this, but, and I'm like, hey, brother, is there something wrong with your shoulder. And as I'm even speaking this, I'm like, what am I doing? Because I've never prayed for anyone before. I've never done anything like that before. And I'm so afraid. I'm shaking. My heart is trembling. Truly, it was trembling. But I needed to see it because I was praying. And I'm, Father, I need to see this in my life. And, and I didn't even have... Well, suddenly in that moment, there was a sudden compassion that started coming upon me as those words left my mouth. See, that compassion wasn't there before. But as soon as I stepped into it, the compassion was provided suddenly. It came out of nowhere from the Father. And poured into me by the Spirit of God. And it was there, like a bowl, ready to be, like a bowl of water, ready for someone to drink from. And and the, the man, he says, he looks at me strangely and he's like, yeah, there is. Or I hear, like, what kind of question is that? How do you know? Kind of thing. And I'm like, and I realized, like, oh, well, there's something going on here. And I said, well, brother, I believe Jesus is going to heal you right now. <laughs> and as I say that again, I'm like, oh, no, what am I doing? <laughs> but, but I'm like, I have to go. I have to, I have to do this. And, and I put my hand on his shoulder and I say, like, Father, I just thank you so much. Lord, I just command the shoulder to be restored right now, Father. Thank you. Amen. And I'm like, Okay, test out your shoulder. You know, and then I'm afraid, but I don't want to just go away. I want to see it. And I know, because I know my Messiah, he didn't just run away after he prayed for someone. And I thought, let me just, let me just ask, and, he, and I'm going to test out your shoulder. And as he, and he, as he lifts up his shoulder, his, his eyes go big. And he's like, what? And he goes and he goes, and he's like, what? what's going and he says, and I'm like, what's going on? He's like, no, it's better. There's no more pain. And I'm like, and I'm like I, I don't believe this. Like, and, and I'm truly, in, my, in the back of my mind, I truly don't believe this. I, I'm in unbelief as I'm standing there and this is happening even up to that point. But he turns around and he says, wait here. And he turns around and he brings his friend. And he's like, pray for my friend's foot. And, and I'm like, oh, well, okay. And, and I try, try again. Pray for the foot. Thank you, Father. We command this foot to be restored. All pain, get out now. The name of Yeshua. Amen. And same thing. And he's like, and, he's like, and, and his friend says, no, there's no more pain. And he's like going and he's like, and he, and he had a limp before. And now he's like walking up and down in his spine. And his other friend who also got healed, he's like, I told you so. And, and I'm like, and I'm, I'm blown away, and they both go, and they, they're, they're locals there, and they start calling people. And they start, there comes a guy, and he's got a backache. And I'm like, okay, and I pray for it back. I put my hand on his spine, and, I just, and, he, and he says he's been having it for a long time, and I just put my hand on, on, this, on his spine, and I just say, Father, I thank you, I command his spine to be restored, bones go into place. And as I say, bones go into place, but you will not believe me. But I felt a, a click in his back. And as I felt it, he like had a fright like this. 
And I'm like, what's going on? Bend down, and he, and he bends down, and he starts tearing up, and he says, I've got no pain in my back. And then he gets healed, and I, t- and I just, and I just, and there's a guy who taps me here, and he says, pray for me. And I, and, and, and I pray for him, and, and after I pray for him, there's someone else. And I pray for them, and I turn around, there's someone else, because people are seeing what's going on, and they're just coming out of nowhere. I don't know where they're coming from. There's a guy, he came to me, he also had backache, or st- like a back and stomach kind of pain here. And I prayed for him. And as I prayed for him, another man came out of nowhere who was demon-possessed. And I've never, I've never seen anything in that point in my life before. I've never encountered anything like that before. A man, he came up to me as I'm praying for this guy, and he starts pulling on me. And he says, do not do that. Stop praying. Stop praying. He starts pulling on me. And in that moment, and I, this is from the Father, I say, I command you, go in the name of Yeshua. And this man runs away. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, I can't, and I'm and i overwhelmed, and, and I'm like, on, I can't explain this to you other, other than to say I was on autopilot. I, I was not, it was almost like I was in, taking a back seat as this all was happening. And it was amazing. And, and as, and, and I want to submit to you guys, this all that I'm explaining right now, it came from a simple place of getting out of that boat. A simple place of, be, of hearing that call and being like, Father, I don't care what it means. I want to follow you. I don't care if I don't care if I lose everything. That was my prayer. I don't care if everyone hates me. I don't care if I lose fa- my family. I don't care if I lose my friends. I don't care if, I, if the world hates me. I don't care if I'm the only one in this world that's going to follow this thing. I want to be the one that follows you, and that's it. And that's all that the Father needs in each one of our hearts. That is all that He needs, and He does the rest. Because I'm telling you, I'm mean, standing here. I'm super unqualified. I'm, I'm not, I was not a good speaker before people. I was, I was, I'm not, I'm the least of the least of the least of the least. And that's what the fishermen were. The least of the least of the least. And so if you feel you're that person, you're in good company. And so as I, as I got in my car that night, as I got in my car and I was sitting there for a little while longer, and as I'm sitting there, I just started crying like a baby because everything just started hitting me about what happened. I just kind of stepped out of that autopilot that I was in. And I just started weeping. And as I was weeping, the father came in his voice so clearly said to me, Petey, this is not about you. This is about my bride. This is what I'm calling my bride to walk in. You need, and, and the Father gave me this commission to come and proclaim this to the bride. And it's not, it's not about me. This is about you. This is about the bride. You need to understand that if you're his bride, like Pastor Juanita said, you need to be equally yoked with your bridegroom. Because there's no second chances. There's no, there's no second, second class thing. It is all or nothing with our Messiah. The disciples, were, it was an all or nothing call that, that he, they had to be able to dine with him, to walk with him. And not only that, the, our eternity rests on that thing. And again, what I'm talking about tonight is not a salvation by works. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a getting accepted by God by works. It's not about that. It's about laying it down, everything for him. And then whatever that calling is that God has laid out for you, it's about picking up your cross and walking that path, no matter the cost, no matter what it means. I don't know if I'm going to use this. Uh, so the, the Father, 
The Father came and started speaking to me about His Spirit and His truth, and that there's right now in the world there is a in, in the body of Christ there is there is this unity in those two elements in, in many of our denominations. And what I mean by that is, in many cases, we have the the Spirit of God working powerfully in um, congregations and churches and and places like that. And, and it's amazing, but then there's a lack of truth. There's a lack of walking in holiness and obedience to the Father's instructions. Amen. But then, and then, there's, then we have another side of it, where I was at in the beginning, that prideful state, that place that I was at, where I came to the truth and the keeping of His commandments, but I lacked the Spirit. I lacked the, the, the love that comes with the Spirit. I lacked the humility. I lacked all of that. The, fruits of the spirit the simplicity of that and and right now we have that in the world and it's so segregated and yes more some of us or you know we're, we're we're closer than others and and some but the father is now i believe he is putting his foot down and he is saying i'm calling my bride to walk in the full measure yes. the fullness of spirit and truth just like he walked and so in Genesis 1 verse 2, we read, And the earth came to be formless and empty, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of Elohim was moving on the face of the waters. So we, have, we see in Genesis that the, the Spirit was there in the way beginning, in creation. And then in John 1 verse uh, 1 to 3, In the beginning was the Word, the truth, and the Word was with Elohim, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So we see that the, both we have the Word, the truth, as well as the Spirit, both being present in the very beginning. In other words, this was kind of ordained, kind of planned, where, where God has given us all these things from the very beginning. This, or They created it all in the beginning for us. And so what I started realizing is there is this pendulum that, that's, that's swinging. And what I mean by that is, as there's, there's this one side and, and where it's lawlessness. This one side where it's, we have departed in many cases from, from the Torah, the, the commandments of our Father, the, the instructions that Yeshua walked out. And then the other side of this pendulum, we have legalism, where it's, we may have found the, like, the instructions of the Father, we may have been keeping them, but we turn into Pharisees, which were simple legalists who lack the love. But what the Father is calling us to is that middle ground, that place of spirit and truth. And there's not many there. It's a, it's a lonely place. It's a place where few are. And that's the narrow path we read about in Scripture. The path that few will find. You see, brother and sister, there's many going to be on the side of legalism. There's many going to be on the side of lawlessness. There's going to be many Pharisees. There's going to be many who are, are on the side of, of hyper-grace or, or, or you know, walking in the Spirit, but He's going to declare, I never knew you. But there's going to be a few, a remnant. That, that, he's, that, that we know that's His bride. That, that's going to be there in the middle. In the, in the Spirit and in the truth. And so we, we need to ask the question, you know, how did this happen? How have we departed so far gone from the simplicity of that walk of our Messiah? How do we end up with that 33,000 denominations? And it's really due to two, 
I believe, two identity crises in the world. Where we have an identity crisis either in the Spirit. We don't know who we are, who we are in the Spirit as a, a son of God with the authority that comes with that. And then also the, the identity and the, our identity in the truth. In other words, our identity as Israel, God's people, and the covenant promises that come with that. And so we read about this great falling away in Scripture, which all of you are familiar with. And I believe that this great falling away is so close, and I believe it's already started. Few will find the path that leads to eternal life. We, 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 as we mentioned, we know that scripture. And we also know the coming deception will be able to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So, that sounds really narrow. That sounds, I mean, if possible, even the elect. This is how strong this deception will be. In other words, it's gonna, there's going to be people that are going to, they're going to say, you know, oh, this is, this, is what, this is what Yeshua was all about. But it's going to be such a great deception that many who were following Him will even fall away. As to the coming of our Master, Yeshua the Messiah, and our gathering together to Him, we ask you, we ask you brothers, not to become easily unsettled in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as if the day of Yeshua has come. And let no one deceive you in any way, because the falling away is to come first, and the man of lawlessness is to be revealed, the son of destruction. Now it's interesting that the words that he uses, because he says, either by, I don't want you to be unsettled, either by spirit, or by word, or by a letter, so that means, and I believe that there's a part, there's more to it than that. There's, there's a, if you are mature in the side of the Spirit, you won't be unsettled. If you're mature in the side of the truth, the Word of God, you won't be unsettled about whether the day has come. Because there's going to be those who are going to say, oh, He's already come. Oh, He's here. And it's going to be, many are going to follow that path. But this, like, this bride is going to have to discernment. How are they going to have to discernment? Because right now, today, before the, that thing comes and hits us, the Father is already moving to prepare us for that storm. Because see, there's a storm coming. You know, one day I was, I was on, a, on a farm in South Africa, and there was a storm coming, and the Father spoke so clear to me. He's like, Petey, there's a storm coming. There, and, 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 it was, and the storm is going to be something like never before. And it's going to be a storm where the enemy is going to come with an army. The enemy is going to come with deceptions. And we read all about this in Revelation. But on the other side, the Father is going to come with His army. He's going to come with His revelations, with His truth, with His spirit, with the full, His bride, His warriors that are willing to walk on the front lines with Yeshua. Not, not in the back lines. You know, we, we read in the Torah about those, there's that in commandment, that instruction where if, if you were getting ready for battle, if they were physically Israel, as they were getting ready for battle, the cowards had to go home. Because if the cowards went into war with those who are ready, they're going to sow discord. And the Father is going to send the cowards home. They are not going to be cowards. In this end time storm, there's going to be partakers and there's going to be an obser observers. The lukewarm will be on the sidelines. There'll be observers. They'll see it. They'll be struck with fear. They won't be able to handle it. 
but those who are already started are going to lay their their life down today going to say oh lord i pick up my cross and follow you they're going to be partakers today tomorrow and forever at his dining table you see, it's it's not. This is not some. This is not some. We, we get so caught up in the thing that oh, you know, that we have this life, and we get so caught up on work and life and everything that goes on here, and we get totally confused and we totally forget about what this is about. Because brothers and sisters, today as we are sitting here, we need to understand that you are sitting in the biggest test that your soul will ever meet, and that test is where are you going to give your attention and focus. Are you going to give your focus to the things of this world? Or are you going to give your focus to the Father? Because see, brothers and sisters, this is all we've got. And not only for ourselves, but more importantly for those around us. Because see, brothers and sisters, when I, when I got this revelation initially, when, when the Father started showing me these things initially, I asked the question, Father, why me? Why are you showing me this? Why, why am, I, am I? I'm not special, you know. And, and I started realizing that I needed to stop asking that question. I needed to start asking, how can I give this to the world? Because He must have chosen me and every single one sitting in this room here today for a purpose. And that purpose is not to keep this thing to yourself. That purpose is to take this thing out of this room and take it out into your daily walk to those who the lost sheep of the house of Israel, those lost sheep that our Messiah was sent to. So to just kind of further demonstrate this point, in my book I talk about this, the, the mar- I call it the marks of Shavuot, and there's just these two big events uh, with the festival of Shavuot or Pentecost that happened that I, that I believe really tells this story really well. And all, the, and all the people saw the thunders, the lightning flashes, the voice of the shofar, and the mountain smoking. And the people saw it, and they trembled and stood at a distance, and said to Moses, You speak with us, and we hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Don't fear, for God has come to prove you, and in order that His fear be before you, so that you do not sin. So the people stood at a distance, far away, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. And it's interesting, you know, this event on Mount Sinai that we all know so well, you know, you know if, we, if we ask our Jewish brethren, you know, their belief is that this happened at, at the festival of Shavuot. And in the same way, we see this, 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 this event where Moses is up there and, and God is, and, and, they t- and the people tell Moses, Moses, you know, what? We're, we're so afraid. You go up there, you speak with God. We don't want to do this. You know? Moses, you do it. And they, there's this kind of this lack of intimacy that they have with the Father on this mountain. And then right thereafter is, is that we have the golden calf, of course, that's built. And, and the consequence of that is the 3,000 men that fall. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this because I want to show you an interesting parallel. So the second Shavuot event, feast that I want to talk about, about 1,200 years later, is also the very famous one we know about, at, at, the one we know as Pentecost. And when the day of the feast of Shavuot had come, they were all with one mind in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from the heaven. Very similar, right? And... As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. 
And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and settled on each one of them. And they were all filled with the set-apart Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them to speak. And when the sound came to be, the crowd came together, and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now it's interesting because there's, there, there's, it's very similar, but there's differences. First, we saw, I mean, on Mount, Mount Sinai, we saw them stood at a distance. We saw them actually move away. But here, as the Spirit of God entered that temple and rested on them, they came together. And we also, we, we, we read thousand, further read then that 3,000 were added to them in that day as that happened. The 3,000 that previously fell after the golden calf was built is now added. Added where the Spirit is poured out on them. And see, it's a, it's a demonstration, it's a picture of how when this first father gives us the truth, he gives us on Sinai, he gives us this picture of the, the, the commandments, the truth that we have, the truth we've been talking about. But then the this, this second mark of Shavuot, the second event, he gives us the Spirit. He gives us an outpouring of the Spirit. And these two things, these two events, comes and brings everything together and equips His body to walk in the full measure of Spirit and Truth, just as the Messiah. So as I mentioned, Mount Sinai, they stood far off, there was no intimacy. Mount Zion, they came together and there was intimacy. Mount Sinai, the 3,000 fell with, with only the truth without the Spirit. You know, and you, and that, that's the point. You can't keep the truth. You can't be obedient without the Spirit. The Spirit of God has to fill you and dwell with you. And that's what the new covenant is all about. It's this law is written on our heart. And, and you know, we, we read also in the Scriptures how uh, God, we, we read how we did that, the prayer of take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And really what that means is, you know, for, for we had a heart of stone, that's that stone that, you know, the, the commandments, it's written on the stone, it's there. But it's impossible to keep until we become a new creation. The Spirit of God indwells in us, makes us a new creation, and changes our flesh even. It has such an impact, where even the way how it's so natural for us to live in our flesh, it becomes so natural to walk in the Spirit, walk in obedience to His instructions. It becomes natural because we become a new creature. And so, also one thing I just want to mention is this thousand, around 1,200 year gap between this giving and truth and, and, and giving of spirit. And it's very similar to our walks. Because many of us, and including myself, most of us, well all of us, we grow up in a certain place where we've been taught the truth. We've been taught you know, um, maybe the commandments or, or, or whatever. Maybe you've been taught the Torah as you were growing up. But, and, but maybe you haven't had a, the, 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 the fullness of the Spirit or walking in the Spirit in your life. But then there's many other of us, like I've mentioned, who maybe you grew up in a charismatic church and you grew up in a place like that with, with that by nature. But you didn't grow up with the truth. And, but in a journey of our life, and what I believe the Father is accelerating like on an incredible scale today as we're sitting and talking today around the world is that this, this 1,200 year gap or this gap in our lives where we have to go through a journey of experiencing both. I believe the Father is bringing us to an outpouring of both in events like this, in places like this, in, in our assemblies, in our fellowships, where He's accelerating it so into that revelation of walking as He walked. 
Now, to just further demonstrate this this point that I'm trying to make is, and and we all know about the story of the the ark and, and Noah and the the floods and all of that. And as as Noah was still on the water in his in, in the ark, we know about this this dove that was sent out. And it's interesting because Noah sent out the dove twice, right? He sent out the dove the first time. We can read there, then he sent out a dove from him to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground, where the dove found no resting place for its feet and returned into the ark to him. For the waters were on the face of all the earth. So he put out his hand and took it and pulled it into the ark to himself. So we see that first the dove is sent out. It, it, it goes across the earth and it, the earth is filled with water. There's no place for the dove to rest. The, the, the earth is not ready for the dove. And the dove returns to the ark, to Noah. And then the second time we read, And the dove came to him in the evening, and see a freshly plucked olive leaf was in its mouth. And Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So now the second time, the dove is sent out, but this time the dove does find a place to rest. And it's interesting because it rests on an olive tree, because it had to get an olive leaf from an olive tree. Right? And I want to submit that this is, this is reminiscent of what we've just read. The Spirit was poured out. Well, the Spirit, God, I believe God wanted to pour out the Spirit, everything on Mount Sinai that first time. But if there was no, the earth wasn't ready. There was no place for the dove, the Spirit of God, to rest. And see, but the second time, at, at, at Pentecost, the, that Feast of Shavuot in the, in the temple where the spur was poured out the second time, the dove came in yet again. But this time the dove found a place to rest. And it rested on the olive tree, which is Israel. Yes, you see, the olive tree is Israel. And so, further, we then read, we, we read in Jeremiah just to... To show you here, Yahweh has named you, talking about Israel, green olive tree, beautiful of goodly fruit. With the noise of a great sound, He has set it on fire, and its branches shall be broken. But I say the truth to you, it is better for you that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Helper shall not come to you at all. But if I go, I shall send Him to you. And that's what Yeshua, of course, the words of Yeshua, as He said. So He's saying, it is, it is good that I go. If I go, if I leave, my spirit, that dove can come and it can come and rest on Israel. And this, that, that event of Noah, I mean, how incredible is it? It is a prophetic picture of what God was going to do on the earth thousands of years later. And I, and I want to submit that that thing that we're talking about, by the way, Shavuot, those two feasts of Shavuot, that was a picture. That was a simple, because right now as we're standing here today, I think we can all agree, when after painting that uh, festival of Shavuot where the Holy Spirit was poured out, they spoke in new tongues, since then we have Constantine, we have got the Catholic Church, we've got um, tradition, we've got all these, this, these departures from the original first century walk. And the Father knew about this. He knew it would come. But I want to submit that those two events, all this that we've been talking about today, is, be, is a fulfillment, a prophetic picture of what God is doing in this world today. And what He is going to be doing in the, next, in the, next, in the upcoming years. So first I, want, I would like us to talk about, about this, the, the, reigniting, the reigniting of the truth. And especially in terms of the division that I've just mentioned, that, the, that, uh, that has come since that 
second feast of Shavuot. So Acts 2 verse 46, and, by, and day by day, continuing with one mind in the set-apart place, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising Elohim and having favor with all the people. And so we see this, this unity, continuing with one mind in this set-apart place. We see further, you know, the the meeting in Jewish synagogues, um, in Acts, in the Book of Acts. I mean, this is the this is the church. This is the book of the Book of Acts gives is, is the book in our scriptures that gives us the clearest picture of the church for the the first century church for us. And we see that they're meeting with the Jewish people, but and it says both Jews and Greeks believed. In other words, they're in unity in the same fellowships, same assemblies. We didn't read further in Acts as Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And for ancient generations, Moses had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. And so, of course, we, we read that this, you know, Acts 15, you know, at the council, where they're being encouraged to return to the to go to the synagogues to read to listen to the Torah, to so we see that the, both the Gentiles as well as the Jewish people, everyone are encouraged to come together. And see, since then, this Satan's plan was to create a divorce. Because if you can create, if he, he knew that if he can create a divorce between Jew and, and non-Jews, or between whatever the, the, a divorce in the tribes of Israel. If he could do that, he can divorce spirit and truth as well. And so, of course, Constantine came in. He changed the days of worship. He changed and abolished the Torah, which which simply means instruction or teaching. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with this. There in the bottom right, the church of... This is from their writings, the, the Catholic writings. The church of God has thought it well to transfer the celebration observance of the Sabbath to Sunday. And so this was simply one of the enemy's plans to create a divorce. Because now you have many believers meeting on Sunday, and now you have many meeting on the Shabbat. And there's no, the days of worship now differ. So they're not coming together on the same days anymore. And there's now this divorce that starts occurring. And we of course know in Leviticus that, that God says, these are my appointed times. It's not, it's not the Jewish ones, it's not the, the, these ones, it's not the Catholic Church's ones. The ones that He has set out for us, it is His. And so I'm not going to read all of this, but I'd like to, this is some of the writings that, um, that we, we read about in the early uh, church fathers. And you know what they, I'm just going to read kind of that, that second paragraph, we ought not therefore to have anything in common with the Jews. For the Savior has shown us another way our worship follows a more legitimate and more convenient course. Talking about the Passover, where they came and they started introducing Easter and they said, you know, we are going to not do it the way that they do it. We want to be different because of the anti-Semitism and hatred there was between the people. And they actually say, and it's kind of, it's laughable, because they say we're going to find a more legitimate and convenient course, a more convenient way of worshiping God. But, but, but Paul says something totally in opposition to what we just read there, because Paul says, what then is the advantage of the Jew? Or what is the value of the circumcision? Much in every way. Because firstly indeed, that they were entrusted with the 
truth, with the words of God. And so see, in that departure from the feast days of God and, 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 and the different days of worship, there is a departure from the truth. And that the previous slide, that slide, there's actually a mention, you know, there's a mention of how um, we, will not do, we will not do it the way that they do it, you know, their way. But the way that they did it was according to the Passover laid out in Scripture. You can see that the traditions of men, there's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Is, and this is not just about the feast days of God. This is not just about um, a, a Sabbath or anything like that. This, there is a question we need to ask is, how long will we continue to listen to men and, and not test every word they say? Because see, brother and sister, like this happened and the people who followed were those who didn't test everything. And it's one of the biggest dangers where we are not like the, 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 the early church where we tasted every word that Paul and everyone came to present when they came to spoke about Yeshua. And so the, the, the consequence of this is a divorce from holiness. I, I, I've written to him I, the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. As we read in Hosea. And that's exactly what has happened today. When we walk out into this world and we walk out in, into many of our congregations, His law has been considered a strange thing. I will praise Thee, for Thou hast heard me and has become my salvation. The stone which the builders could refused has become the headstone of the corner. And now we need to ask that question, what is that stone? Whoever hears these sayings, sayings of mine and does them, does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain came, the, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hear these words, and does them not, shall be likened to a foolish man that builds his house on the sand. And the rains and the floods came, and great was the fall of it. Kind of like a great falling away, a great fall, because it wasn't built on the rock. And now he's saying, whoever hears these sayings of mine will build his house on the rock. Now, what are these sayings? You know, and he, if we read two verses earlier, and we, then we get to this, where he talks about not everyone will, who says to me, Master, Master, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But, you know, and many will cast out demons, etc., as we talked about. But, and those, and he will declare to many, I never knew you, you, those who commit lawlessness. So to talk about that, I just want to talk about that identity, that, that, that identity crisis of, and the truth that I mentioned earlier. You know, we have in, in Genesis, when God made Abraham, He said, I'm going to make an everlasting promise to you. Now that word everlasting is a big word because it means forever. It means it's not going to pass away. It's not going to change. Nothing will change it. And so we have Abraham um, who has Isaac, and Isaac blesses Jacob. And we have Jacob, whose name changes to Israel, and has the 12 sons of Israel, who becomes the 12 tribes of Israel. And we have this covenant made out to those 12 tribes, where God says, Whoever therefore keep the words of this covenant, do them that you may prosper. You're standing here today, all of you, before the Lord your God, the head of your tribes, elders, officers, and all the 12 tribes of Israel. Your little ones, everyone, and the sojourner, right? The, the one who is not necessarily part of that bloodline, but a sojourner in the camp. That he may, number one, that he may establish you today as his people, and you as his God. 
as He promised you, and as He swore to your fathers, Abraham, to Abraham. That promise we just spoke about, that everlasting promise. It is not with you alone that I'm making this covenant, but with whoever is standing here with us today before the Lord, and with whoever is not with us here today. Now that's an interesting line, because He's saying, so all of you guys are making this covenant with, but not only with you, but also with many others who are not here right now. And he's not, and, and, and so we have the natives of the twelve tribes standing there. We have this multitude, mixed multitude that came out of Egypt who were not native born, and they all are standing there with the giving of these instructions. And then he's saying, "I'm going to give this to. This is not just for you; it's even for the uh, further generations." And it's simply these people. It's the bloodline descendants of Israel, as well as the stranger in the camp. Everyone, everyone, everyone who says that. Lord, I want, I want you to be my God and I want, I want, to, be, and I want, you, I want, and I want to be your people. Amen. And then God goes on and He says, Choose, I'm laying before you life and death, a blessing and a curse. And He encourages us. He says, please choose life. Choose life. I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you these instructions and I want you to walk in them because I want, they will bless you. It's not there to burden you. It's not there to, 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 to make life hard. It's not there for your salvation. It's there to walk, and now we know, to walk as His Son, to walk as God Himself in the flesh. And to be a light to the world, an example of, of what it looks like when God blesses. An example of what it looks like when that everlasting promise He makes comes upon us because see brothers and sisters your testimony is going to be your fruit you see there is a responsibility to walk this thing out like i said not for yourself it's not about us it's not about me it's not about you it's about the guy in your workplace who's never heard of him who's heard of maybe a yeshua or a jesus who may have not been key, a, 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 another version of him a, another story another interpretation another man-made teaching of who he is another perception an idea of our messiah but do you know how little people there are in this world who's actually seen a picture of the true messiah there's so little people in this world who've seen that. And brothers and sisters, we need to understand you're sitting here today for a purpose. And that is you need to walk it out. You need to, God needs us to do this thing and walk it out with everything we have. <clears throat> and so, of course, after that we have, um, you know, God said, I lay before you blessing and curse, choose lot. And he says, and if you don't choose life, you know, there's this, he's going to scatter us. And Solomon did make that mistake. He followed after the, God, the gods of his wives. And God scattered those two. He split the kingdoms with the northern and the southern kingdoms. With the house of Israel and the house of Judah. The house of Israel in the north and the house of Judah in the south. Israel is, um, Hosea 8 verse 8. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. For they are gone up to Assyria, a wild ass alone by himself. Ephraim has hard lovers. And so this is just, this is what was happening there as Israel was scattered among the nations, among the Gentiles. And this is exactly where we're even standing today, where we have been scattered from that land of Israel. And we're, we've got all the tribes scattered all across the world today who've lost their identity. And we need to ask the question, you know, why, did, why did all this happen? And it's because God divorced Israel. She saw that for all the adulteries of that faithless one Israel, I had sent her away with a decree of divorce. 
Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she too went and played the whore. Yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah did not return to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, declares the Lord. So we see that Israel, the house of Israel, sent away with a decree of divorce out of the house. And that's a big problem. Because how is God going to get her back? And we need to also ask the question, you know, why? What, what led up to this divorce? And it's the, the, the simple fact that they were destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You see, it's interesting. We often quote this, that we are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But little, how often do we actually understand that the context is because we have forgotten the law of God? The next verse, we've forgotten His instructions, His law. And because we've forgotten that, you know, we... God, that is why God divorced us. And so, uh, Hosea 8, set the tr- 8 verse 1, Set the trumpet to, to thy mouth, ye shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. Israel shall cry to me, my God, we know you. And that's interesting, because earlier we, we heard something as a response to that. And that is, and what we read in Matthew, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's the same thing. You see, there's this dialogue that I believe is going on here, where Israel will cry to him, God, we know you. Even though they were the, the, those who were crying out, we know you, we know you. They were crying it out, but they weren't walking any of that out. They weren't walking as his bride. Now the question was, you know, how will God get that divorced bride back? Therefore, behold, I will bring her into the wilderness, he says, and I will speak tenderly to her. Now, it's interesting because all around the world, as this, what we've been talking about, this revelation, this, this truth of returning to his instructions, the people are scattered all around the world. I'm sure many of you know about that. And it's almost like they're in the wilderness. It's almost like they're, they're you know, you, many would say, you know, I don't have a fellowship. Many would say, I'm... Um, there's no one around me who believes. I mean, we're so blessed, I think, to be in this room. But I think there's even maybe some of you who come from far away and you come out of a, you feel like you're in the wilderness because it's, it's like there's no, it's dry. There's no one else who believes the same that you believe. But, but there's just some manna coming down. You know, the Father is raining down His bread for us in that wilderness, in that place. And the bread, that true manna that He's giving us there, it's actually satisfying. It's actually filling us up. The problem that I mentioned, you know, how God needs to get that divorce, his divorce brought back. But how will he do this? Because in Deuteronomy, there, he, God, we need to understand God can't transgress the very instructions that he's giving us. But in Deuteronomy 24, because in Deuteronomy 24, we read her former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after she's been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord. So, in other words, where God divorced Israel, we read that how Israel went among the nations and whored among the nations. So, God's bride, God's who was divorced, whored among the nations. And according to Deuteronomy 24, He can't take her back because she's been defiled. And He says Himself, that's an abomination before me. And so God, like I said, He was not going to do the same thing. And in Jeremiah 3, it, it, if you would like to read it, it's the same. 
Right, and the, and the rabbis, they, posed, they even posed the same question. The challenging question that arises now that the rabbis will have to resolve is, how does Hashem remarry the bride whom He divorced? For this is forbidden by His own Torah. This is by Rabbi Franz Sprecher from the Commonwealth of Israel, who said this. But Paul reveals this mystery to us, of course. In Romans, in Romans 7, he says, For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law of marriage. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. And so the only way for God to have his divorce bride back, the only way is for him to die. For him to die and be resurrected as suitable bachelor ready for remarriage. And that's what the new covenant is. You see, for, for a long time I never understood what's the difference between that old and new covenant. Many believe it's a difference and you know, all those things are abolished. The difference is simply that He died to get us back and He writes that law on His bride's back. And so you see, today we sit there here and we, we are that bride who He came back for, who He got on the cross for. That we, we were once whoring and, and even in our, you know, we, but He came to get us back. And then um, we further we read about these gates in heaven. It's interesting. Like, he, these, these 12 gates, come, I will show you the bride. This is Revelation, the wife of the Lamb. And He carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels. And on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, on the west, north, south, all the sides we have the gates, the three gates on each side. And it's interesting because there's no gate for Baptist. There's no gate for Catholic. You see, there's, no, there's not 33,000 gates. There's just 12. And see, the Father, as I mentioned, He, he came back and he, and he says, I'm going to remarry Israel. I'm, I'm coming for the last sheep of Israel. All of you who want to call, who want to be my bride, who, 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 who says, Lord, I want to be your people. I'm coming back for you. And you, I'm grafting in. I'm grafting into that house of Israel, into my um, kingdom. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is where Yeshua is talking to this, to this woman. And she says, but, but uh, you know, Lord, help me, help me. And he says, but I've not come but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she says, but Lord, I mean, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And he says, great, great is your faith. Be healed, be restored. And in that moment, she becomes part of him. She partakes in him. Even though she's not part of that bloodline or part of that, she becomes part of Israel. And, the, and see, the, Yeshua, he, he, was, he came for the world. He came for the salvation of the world. 
And, and Romans talks about that. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? You see, and, and that's it. We, and interesting, it's an olive tree. You see, that, olive, that same olive tree we've been talking about. Brothers and sisters, you need to understand that we, we have the dove, right? And the dove, it comes down. It finds no place to rest the first time, you know, with, with Noah. A dove comes down and it finds a place to rest. And synonymous with Pentecost. And then where's the next time in the New Testament read about a dove? Yeshua. At his baptism, a dove comes down. The dove comes and rests upon him. And what if that dove was carrying an olive branch and grafting it into him? Because he is that tree that we are grafted into. By his death, by his um, sacrifice for us, we can come and we can be regrafted back into and come back as, his, as our identity in his, as Israel. And in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, many quote this, but they, they're not sure where it comes from, where he talks about you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, holy nation. You see, speaking of an identity over someone here. But it's interesting because he gets this from Exodus. And it says that these are the words which thou shalt speak to the twelve tribes, the children of Israel. You see, and so he's saying, you, Israel, you are a royal priesthood. This is who you are, a holy, set-apart nation. This is your identity. And we know that Yeshua, he's our high priest. How beautiful is that in Exodus, when this was written, God already had that in mind, that high priest that we will be, be priest, uh, priests with. This mystery is that, so this is, this is the mystery, the great mystery that, that the scriptures talk about. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Partakers of that promise of Abraham that we read in the way beginning. So, that's it. You are Israel. That's who you are. That's your identity. You need to understand that the promises of Israel, and this is a good thing. It's a very good thing because it means that all the promises that God gives with His instructions is, is part of that covenant. Where we've been through our obedience, He's going to bless us. And not only for our, for our benefit, but for the benefit of the world, as I've mentioned. So as I mentioned, this is in Jeremiah 31 verse 21. This is the new covenant that will make the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And, he, and, he, and he, when that, that word, that new covenant, you know, the root word, you know, it, it talks about something. There was something before that is being repaired, a breach that is repaired, a, 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 a breach of a wedding vow that is repaired, relationship, intimacy that is repaired. Is what the Father, is, that is what the new covenant is, as I mentioned. And then he says, um, I will make a new covenant of the house of Israel. I'm going to write my law in their hearts and in my inward parts. And then Ezekiel, he says, I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk on my statute. So it's going to cause you, the spirit of God, when he comes and dwells within you in baptism, he causes you to start walking as he walked. And so this, is, this, 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 doesn't, this doesn't happen anymore. Because while the, the, the instructions that were previously seen as a strange thing now suddenly become part of our nature. And even though they might be like, we're not sure how to keep, we're not sure how do we keep them yet. They're not strange. They become familiar because they're right here. 
that are, that are part of, of what we are. So the Spirit, this is what often has happened. Even with those filled with the Spirit, I want to say this, is the Spirit oftentimes convicts us of the law written on our heart. But men tell us something else. Many people, I've heard many times, when they, they're like, I just want to rest. I don't know why, but I feel like I need to rest. I feel like, you know, my, I need to rest. But then they go to the pasture or they go to someone, a spiritual leader, and they hear, you know, oh no, we don't do that anymore. We don't keep a, a Shabbat anymore. We don't, we don't rest anymore, just as an example. And then they believe that instead of the simple Word of God. And now the question is, again, who will you believe? Who are you going to follow? And so we, in, in Matthew five seventeen, don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I come to fulfill it. Whoever then breaks the, one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever teaches that these commandments or or um, teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Great and least, according to whether you teach it or not. And it's interesting because that word for fulfilled is pleru. It means to fill to individual capacity. It means to fill to the brim. It doesn't mean to, to fill, fulfill as in he came and do it so we didn't have to. I want to say he came and do it to show us how. You see, there's a difference. And so it's interesting because I, I love that fill to the brim that, that the strong supporters can, can give it because it talks about something very familiar in the New Testament as well. There's a wedding, right? There's a wedding and Yeshua, He resides at this wedding. And there's these, you know, there's, there's wine at the wedding. It's a, it's a great party and everyone is having a feast and the wine starts running out, of course. And Yeshua's mother says, Yeshua, you need to do something about this. And he says, oh, woman, my time has not come yet. It's kind of funny, but she's typical, typical mom. <laughs> and, 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 but, and, he's, and, she's, and, he, and she calls the service together and says, whatever he tells you, you go and you do. Whatever he tells you, you go and do. And Yeshua says, you know those, those clay jars, those pottery jars you've got over there with the water? I want you to go and fill them to the brim. And, 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 and these servants, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining they're kind of like, what? <laughs> we're, we're, we want to serve wine. You know, why don't we go go get some wine down the street? Or well, No, Yeshua says, go and fill these jars to the brim. And they're scratching their head as they walk up to these jars. But they are obedient. And they fill them to the brim. And as soon as these jars hit the brim, there's a miracle that happens. Right? And, and they start serving this wine at this wedding. And the, the host, he, he drinks, he says... You know, usually, you know, we serve the, the best wine first. But you saved the best for last. And there's something I want you to see much deeper. We know in the scriptures that oftentimes we, we hear, we know about the potter's hand. You know, God's hand. He's the potter. We are the clay. So what if those jars represent us? What if those servants... Or simple teachers. And they go out to the jars and they fill these people, these jars, with water, with Yeshua. 
You see, they fill these jars to the brim. And as soon as they hit the brim, that miracle happens. And what happens? It turns into wine. Now, what is wine? Wine is good fruit. And see, that's the point that we can be filled, but we need to be filled to the brim so we can bear good fruit. And see, good fruit, I'm talking about not a little bit of Yeshua. I'm not talking about just a little bit here and there. Because see, brothers and sisters, it's, also, it's our responsibility. You're not going to stand before one day and say, that well, my pastor didn't tell me. You see, so it's all about, it's not about a little bit of Yeshua here and there. It's not about, can I just get a little bit of water here and there? And oftentimes in our congregations, it's been, can I just look at, it's like people under a tap of water and there's like a drop that comes down and everyone screams for that little drop and they've got no idea that they just need to open it up. And it's as simple as falling on the knees. And so there's, uh, I want to connect this with the eating of the Passover lamb as well. And they shall eat the flesh on, on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled with, at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its inward parts, and do not leave of it until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you are to burn. And we of course know that the Passover lamb it, it point, all points to Yeshua, our Messiah. And, he's, and they say, eat it with haste. If you're, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, you eat it in haste. You don't leave it until morning. And we know that Yeshua, Yeshua, He, was, he had to be, he, he, he couldn't stay on the stake. He had to be, it was a high Sabbath coming up. So they had to take Him down. You can't, they couldn't leave Him on there. And in the same way, we can't, do the same thing. We can't leave it until the next him until the next day. We can't say, "I'll get a little bit more of that water tomorrow. I'll get a little bit of it tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll Yeshua, I'll figure it out tomorrow. I'll let my family get meet you tomorrow. I'll, I'll let my employer see you tomorrow." No, Father says today is the day. There is no more tomorrow. You will eat me in haste. You will eat me today in haste. And when you do that, when you eat of him, you will be full to the brim. And guess what? You'll bear good fruit. You'll overflow. And the brothers and sisters, you know that host, he said, he said something about, I'll save the best for last. What if, what if that's you? What if the best for lost is you sitting here. Us in this, this remote generation, this place where Father is bringing us today, we know that the end is coming up. We are so close. And what if we are the best for lost that that host was talking about? Amen. You see, brother and sister, that's why when I started out, I talked about that those two words, that they, and they got out of the boat for those two words, and they didn't even have any of what we're talking about. They didn't have Messiah on the cross yet. But see, the Father calls us into that deep place where we don't leave Him until the morning anymore. And see, unfortunately, many have done this. And many have, have because Ephraim has multiplied altars for sinning, they have become to Him altars for sinning. Many have left Him on the cross and hoped that He will continue covering their habitual, continuous, unrepentant sin. And see, many of them, will they will one day hear, Depart from me, I don't know you. 
Because see, leaving him on the stake, that, that continuing on our sin is leaving him on the stake. Not repenting is leaving him on the stake. And see, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about being a perfection and sinless. I'm talking about being repentant continuously. I'm talking about year on year when we celebrate the Passover as we will be doing very soon. We will be getting the leaven continuously out of our homes, ridding it from ourselves. You see, it's a Father gave us this festival as a picture of that where it said continuous. It's a reminder that this festival is a reminder of removing the leaven which represents sin from our homes, from our midst. And how incredible that when, as Israel, who, who at many at the time, the very ones who were rejecting him as he was being put on that stake, on that cross, and the those very people were busy getting the leaven out of their homes, celebrating the festival of unleavened bread. How incredible that the Father got on the cross for them. You see, those who, who, who rejected Him, even their leaven is removed from their midst. They had no idea what they were even doing. But still that mercy and that grace. And he says, Father, as he's on that cross and they're busy doing that, he's on that cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And so I want to share with you a vision that I received about a month ago or so. And this vision was, I saw a man in a kingdom. And it's at a dining room table. And at this table... He's sitting there, he's alone, and he's freaking out. He's really scared. He's kind of like, it's almost, imagine you're um, taken suddenly from where you're at right now, and you're dumped into this, this room, this kingdom room, and you've got no idea where you are, and you're afraid. Because you don't believe in anything supernatural. You, you know, maybe you come from that place. That's kind of where this man was at. And he's sitting in this, at this table and he's freaking out. And there comes this man and he walks into the room. And as he walks in, he takes a seat at this table. And this guy who's been sitting there from the beginning, he's just staring at him like this as he's sitting down. And he's kind of, as soon as he says that, he's like, who are you? What am I doing here? What is this place? And this man who takes a seat, he picks up a fork from the table. And he says, how many pins are there in a fork? And this man, he's confused and he looks out and he says, there's four. And this man he, who's holding the, the fork, who is Yeshua, he says, that's how many times I came to encounter you. And as soon as he said that, this man was struck with an incredible fear. And he puts the fork down on Yeshua and he ta- picks up the knife and he says, how many is here? And, he, and the man, he says, well, what do you mean? He says, how many pins is there? He says, there's one. And, say, and he says, this is how many times you needed to accept me. And I want to submit to you today that the Messiah, he needs us to be the pins on that fork, to be the, 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 the opportunities for people to see the true Messiah. And now I want to ask you this. What does a fork do? What do we do when we eat? A fork we use to, to, to divide food, to make choices in what we eat first. To hold on to things. And in the same way, for us, it's what are you choosing to eat? And as we're coming up with, with Passover, what are you choosing to eat? What are you choosing to consume? 
Because see, we've, we're in this culture where it's okay to do anything. But what are you choosing to do? And see, the knife, what does the knife represent? The knife can represent, it can represent death, it can represent cutting, it can represent you know, making that decision of what you're, gonna, what you're eating now and you're cutting it. And the same way, if you don't die to yourself, if you don't kill yourself now, you're going to eat the wrong thing. You're going to cut into the wrong piece. And you're not going to eat of him. And see, brother and sister, that's what the problem was with that man who was sitting with Yeshua. Is he didn't partake in Yeshua. He had no idea. And he rejected him in that. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So that's a, that's a hard thing. He says, whoever doesn't hate his mother, brother, sister, everyone else, he, you, you, you can't be my disciple. Don't follow me. Don't come after me. You're not worthy to be my disciple. You cannot follow me. And what he, what he means is he says, you need to be willing to give your whole family up today, now, as you're sitting in your seat where you are right now, to follow him. That's a tough one. It, it's, it's not a joke. It wasn't a, it, he wasn't trying to, 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 to just paint a picture. He was being serious. That if he called you today to leave everything like that rich man, what are you going to do with that? Then Yeshua, then spake Yeshua to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. All therefore observe and do. Um, all therefore that bird you observe and observe and do, but do not you after their works, for they say and do not. You see, brothers, it's easy to, to be to go to the seat of Moses. It's easy to listen to the commandments. It's easy to do all these things. But what are you what are you doing? You know, are you walking as the Pharisees? Because they thought that they're doing it well. And Yeshua in Matthew five seventeen, he talks about that where he says that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, how is that possible? Because they were pretty. They were. They knew the Torah. They grew up with it. They taught it. They. They. But yet, he says that if your righteousness does not exceed that. You're not entering the kingdom. And see, our righteousness comes from our intimacy with Him. Because the Pharisees had no intimacy. They had no partake communion with Him. They, had, they ate the Passover, but they had no idea what they were eating. They had no idea what they were doing. Very cool. So I want to share, we're almost finished. I want to share this, this another um, story with you, another vision that I had, and it's very much ingrained in Scripture. And I w- I'd like you to test, again, everything I say, please test. But I want to share this vision with you because there's, there's so much in here that I want you to hear. So I had a vision, and in this vision I saw myself um, in this field of wheat. And this was a very, I've never experienced anything like this before where I was, it was, it was so clear, as clear as I'm here today with you. And as I'm in this vision, I'm, 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 I'm walking through this field of wheat. And this field is golden, it's beautiful. 
it shines. And as I'm, and, and Yeshua is right here in front of me. And he takes my hand and he walks with me through this field of wheat. And as we walk, this field makes way by its own. We don't even have to touch it. It's amazing. And then I'm, I'm amazed by how, how, how this is happening. And Yeshua, he, he, he stops and he, turns, he, he says, Peter, look at this field. And he, has t- he starts tearing up and he says, Peter, there's, there's not many here. And he, he takes my hand and he starts walking on. And he takes me to this cliff. And at this cliff, there's this, these mountains. And in these mountains, there's this lake of fire. And in this lake, he, uh, I'm, and I'm thinking, like, what is this? And he said, this is the lake of fire. And he takes my hand again. He takes me to this tree. And this tree, it's, it's incredibly, it's massive. The fruit are about this big. And, I, and, and, they're, and, 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 I'm, and I'm thinking, what? And I, the first thing I think is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because that's the only tree I was, I've never really looked into the tree of life. But Yeshua responds and he says, no, Peter, this is the tree of life. And he says, Peter, you see these fruits? You see, my people, they think, they think that their works don't matter. But what they don't understand is that their works come to make up the fruits that come to grow here in the garden of heaven. And what he continues to then do is he takes me again to this, to the, to this city. And the city goes up a mountain. And as I'm looking up this mountain, uh, well, this, the, the, the city, it's, it's, it's houses of gold. And it's beautiful. And there's this castle. And in this castle, I knew that that's where the king sits. And there's, and I know that there's a table in that castle. And Yeshua says, PDC, you see all these places. I've prepared a place for my people. For each one of them, I've prepared a place. But my table, there's a special place at my table. And not everyone will dine with me. And as I thought that, I, well, as I said that, I'm, I'm immediately thinking, but Father, I, I wish, I, I hope I can dine with you. You see, but I want you to see something throughout the story. You see, as we were walking through that field of wheat, that field represents people. That field is the, the golden harvest that is in this world. You see, when we walk out of these doors, it doesn't look as pretty. But as we walk, it is like a golden floor we walk on where our feet are anointed by the gold of the king to enter into places. And people, you know, I said this field, this this is like, they were like, it's like gold. It it represents people and people for the father. This, the the gold, it represents, the people like treasure chests to him. You see, a lot of times when we walk into our fields, in our workplace, in our, all the places we go, we don't see people that way. We don't see them as treasures. But what if the Father sees them as treasures, like a treasure chest waiting to be opened up and shown its value? Because see, there's many in this world today, most, who have no idea what their value is from God's perspective. And because they don't know what their value is, they live like someone who's got no value. And what if they just need someone to share, to take out that gold and be like, yeah. you're so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And see, as, as we're walking there, um, as we're walking through this field of weed and, this, and, and, and the, the treasure and all that, you know, the, and the, the, the lake of fire, you know, that's the place where many will go who are not going to make it. 
And, and the, the fruits, we need to understand that the, this tree and this field, it's so connected. Because those who go out into the field, into the harvest that God calls us into, that's the works that He's talking about. You know, that's the last words that Yeshua told us. That's the last things, guys. Get that. The last things He said before He lived to send His Spirit is to go into the field, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. And so those are the works that will grow on that tree. And in that place, in, the, in that, that kingdom that I talked about, that place, that special place at the table. You see, those who partake within this field of wheat with Him, those who go into that harvest, those are the ones who will dine with Him. And you say, Petey, oh no, we're all going to be on the same level. I say, I'm sorry, you're mistaken. Because we read how there were going to be a least and there's going to be a, a, a greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so that means that there is a place where our fruits do matter. Those fruits that we were talking about, about the wedding, that, that responsibility of being, making sure that we're filled to the brim with that water, it's responsibility so that we can bear that fruit. So, and that fruit is going to be a witness to the wedding. A witness to everyone who attends, the wedding guests, the world, everyone else is going to be a witness to draw them in. And see, that's how we go into that wedding, that, 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 that field of wheat. You see, it's not just about, it's about shining so brightly that that field just makes way. That field is it's like people just welcoming, that people just seeing the light and being like, I, I want this. I need this. And so I just want to read a few scriptures to connect with this in, in Revelation. And he showed me a river of water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits. Each tree yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. Interesting. Twelve fruits for the twelve tribes of Israel. Twelve gates. You see, it's so connected. It's our fruits. It's up there. And see, I'm coming speedily. Revelation again. Um, Revelation 22. And see, I'm coming speedily, and my reward is with me, to give to each according to his work. I am the all of the top, the beginning, the end, the first, the last. Blessed are those doing His commands, so that the authority shall be theirs unto the tree of life, and to enter through the gates, those twelve gates, into the city. But outside are the dogs, and those who enchant with drugs, and those who whore, the murderers, the idolaters, and all who love and do falsehood. Outside is that place I've been talking about, that lake that we have. Though he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, the assemblies. To him who overcomes, I shall give to eat from the tree of life. Immortality, free, living forever with him, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. But you are those who have remained with me in my trials. So he's talking to his disciples. And I covenant for you, as my Father covenanted for me, a kingdom. To eat and drink at my table, in my reign, and to sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
And that's an interesting phrase because in our world, we have judges too. And we have these judges that are judging the 12 tribes of Israel and they're, and they're at his table dining with him. So there's these judges in that kingdom as well who are sitting at his table. And so I want to ask the question, just obviously, like who, like the judges in our world today, you know, what kind of people are they? They're the people that understand the laws of the land, who do and teach them, just like we read in Matthew. Matthew 5, whoever does and teaches will be called great. He's talking about these. And whoever does not do and teach will be called least in the kingdom, but least in the kingdom. And the master said, Shaman, Shaman, see, Satan has asked for you to has asked for you to sift you as wheat. And see, this is a picture of how we, we there's many parallels of this the sowing of the seed and how the enemy is also in that field. The enemy also goes and he also sows his seed seeds of destruction. But see, the question is is are we going to continue to allow that? Are we going to continue to stand back and let him enter the field, work much harder than we to, to keep the field and to sow destruction among those who, are, who God are calling back? Right. Matthew 9, And having seen the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered as sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his told ones, The harvest truly is great. But the workers are few. Pray then that the master of the harvest would send out workers to his harvest. And so God calls us to be that. He calls us to be the lot. <coughs> Hello? I think the battery's dead. Let it be resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so as I was saying, can you guys hear me? It's good, okay. So as I was saying, God calls us to be that light in the dark, that place where we are the feet. And you see, there's a scripture that comes to mind where he says, you know, I'm going to anoint the feet of those. I'm going to, you know, the one who, who brings good news. How beautiful is His feet. And see, brother and sister, it's, it's, we can be those ones, the ones who bring the good news. Hello. And, and, you know, many times, you know, I was this guy, I was the one who had my light under a basket because I was in, we had amazing fellowships, we had amazing Bible studies, but it stayed there on the Shabbat. It never moved outside of that, that place. And the father is calling and he's saying, is a lamb brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed or, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest or secret except to come to light. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor the people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, and it gives light to the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others, so that your good, so they may see your good works, your fruit, and give glory to the Father who is in the heavens. And you know the Father. And you know a lot of us. You know, we can all we can say. You know, oh, we want to do all these things, but 
You guys are still okay. You're still okay. You guys are still good. Okay. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a. We always, we can off. You know, I, I thought, you know, I want to do all these things, and maybe you, where you're sitting, you're feeling like, Peter, all you've been saying, I want to do, but I feel like I don't believe. I feel like I don't have the faith. I feel like I don't have the boldness. You know, when the disciples had that, and Yeshua came to them. He, he said that in the following, he said, He appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and He reproached their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen Him after He was raised. And He said to them, Go. <coughs> Someone doesn't want this to happen. <laughs> we'll go with the other way. Yeah, we'll go with fine. Thanks. Cool. Uh, and... Uh, okay, cool. So, and uh, so he approached their unbelief, hardness of heart. They didn't believe those who had seen him after he was raised. And he said to them, "Go out into the world and proclaim the good news to every creature." And see, it's interesting because you know, they had unbelief. These people, they, they, after everything they've even seen, they had unbelief. But still, Yeshua, he doesn't simply just rebuke them and says, "Oh well, sorry." No, he says, "Okay, good. You've got unbelief. That's perfect." Now go into the world and proclaim the gospel. Why does he react that way? Because Yeshua understands that unbelief is, it can, can be such a feeling. It can be such a thing of, I feel like I don't believe. <laughs> what? No, no, no. We have, we have one more. No. You saved the best for last. <laughs> I, I can speak like this. Our problem is power is short now. Oh my word, that's funny. Okay. Um, wait, 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 wait. Cool. Uh, <laughs> unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. Okay, cool. Yes, I said unbelief. So, so unbelief is a, it's a feeling. You know, it's that thing of, I don't feel like I believe. But the Father, Yeshua, He knew this, and He's like, you know, you don't believe, you don't believe that's alright, because it's my Spirit that's going to give you a gift of faith in the moment to do it. But see, you need to go into the harvest whether what you feel like you believe or, believe or not. You need to go into the harvest whether you've got self-confidence or not. Whether you, uh, you know, whatever you feel like, it doesn't matter, because faith is not a feeling. Faith is an action. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, and it's the simplicity of just, you know, I don't feel like it, but it, I mean, God, God, Yeshua's like, I don't care what you feel like. I don't care about that. I want you to go and do it anyway. Okay, cool. Matthew, uh, um, Matthew 16. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, if they de- drink in deadly poison, they will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord spoken this to them, he was received up and he sent it into heaven. And like I said, that is all the words he spoke right before he went. And he's saying, so these are the signs that follow them that believe. Now, like I said, believe is about going and doing no matter what you feel like. Yeah. And so it's about go <laughs> it's about going and uh, it's about going and laying your hands on the sick. And doing all these things, regardless of what you feel like in the moment. Because you know, brothers, can I be honest with you? As many as I've prayed for the sick and all these things, every single time I lay my hands on the sick, I feel unbelief. I feel it come. I feel the doubt come. But 
but it doesn't stop it. You know, it, it doesn't stop me from going. It doesn't stop me from laying in my hand there and being like, Father, I thank you. I don't care what this mind, the carnality of mine says. I don't care what the enemy comes to whisper. I don't care what he tries to do. But, Father, I'm going to come and do it anyway, you know. And, you know, and these are all the signs. So you say, like, these are the things that I'm going to do by my spirit through you if you simply believe by going and walking and doing. It's going to start happening naturally. It's going to be part of your nature. And, you know, just to talk about that carnal mind, you know, I shared a little bit about that at the outreach workshop. I just want to share again in terms of, you know, the, our carnal mind is, it's, it's, it's at enmity with the workings of God and the workings of the Spirit. And that carnal mind, it's going to come and it's going to try and attack. It's going to try and keep you in your old self. It's going to try and keep you um, thinking and doubting in, in yourself and in what, in what God has proclaimed over you and who you are in Him. But see, that thought, those things, they're always going to be there to a degree. But the question is, is what are you going to do with it? I want to submit that Yeshua had those same things come to Him. When He was on the cross, you know, when He said, Father, let this cup pass from me, you know, those same things came upon Him. He had the same struggles. He was a man just like ourselves and He understands it. He understands when you're standing there with this lady, with the broken leg, with this blind lady, with whoever it is. He understands the thoughts that are coming. And don't think that, oh, I've got this thought, that means it's not going to happen. Because that's not what it is. That's, the, that's what the enemy wants you to believe. Yeah, it's yeah. about, I've got this thought, I don't care. Thank you, Father, for freedom now. In the name of Yeshua. And so right now, I want to I wanna ask, is there anyone here who's sitting here right now, as you're sitting here, who's got pain in their shoulder? Cool. So Father, I just thank you, Lord, right now, in the name of Yeshua. We speak to both shoulders right now, God. We command them to be restored. 100%. All pain, I command you to leave now, in the name of Yeshua. Thank you for freedom, Father. I want you guys to lift your shoulders now. How do you feel? Is it better or not? Be honest. Thank you for for freedom right now. If it's better, raise your hand. Father, thank you, Lord. We speak again, Lord. We speak to our shoulders and then Yeshua right now. Father, we speak to the rest of it now. Neck, back, everything. We command it to be restored now in the name of Yeshua. Father, thank you for freedom right now. All pain, I rebuke you. You get out of this room. Father, thank you for freedom. I want everyone to move around who had any kind of pain. We speak to, there's someone with migraine headache or headaches as well now. Who's it? Anyone here has got migraine headache? Okay, Father, I just thank you, Lord. We speak to her headache now, name Yeshua. We command her headache to be go now. Father, thank you for all migraine headaches. Get out now, name Yeshua. I thank you for freedom right now. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for an overhaul right now, name Yeshua. Every cell in the body, you will come into submission to the Spirit of God. Thank you, Father. Mm. Is there anyone who's got cancer or anything like that? Or anyone... anyone can I come to you? I mean, I might, this might be hard. Would you mind? Yeah. What kind of cancer is it? 
Lord, I just thank you, Lord, right now, Yahweh, we come before you. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we lift her up right now to you. Yes. Lord, we bring her to you right now, Lord, we speak to this cancer right now. Holy Spirit, I command you, you get out, you leave all pain, everything. I command you, leave. Father, thank you for, for freedom right now. Complete deliverance, everything. Father, thank you for the stress and worry to leave right now as well. All the fear that's come, spirit of fear, go in the name of Yeshua right now. Lord, thank you for freedom, Lord. Thank you for confidence in who she is, Lord. Thank you for the calling you've put on her heart and her life that she knows that she's thinking about right now, Lord. I thank you, Father, she's going to proclaim the gospel, Lord. Thank you, Lord, she's going to take this, Lord, to the ends of the earth, Father. You're going to open the doors, Lord. You're going to anoint her feet, Father. Thank you for freedom right now in the name of Yeshua, Lord. Do you have any pain? Did you have? It's gone. Who's okay. yes. got any kind of pain right now? I want you to raise your hand. What's can you neck? Okay, cool. Discs. Uh, can you come forward? Disc. So if you bend down, you touch your toes and hurt. Can you do it now? Try now, just try. That's probably, don't, don't hurt yourself, but just, you feel it? Okay. So Father, I just thank you right now. We speak to his back, neck, neck and name Yeshua. We speak to his desks right now. Every single one, all pain, I command you to go in the name Yeshua right now. I thank you for freedom right now. Which we bend down, bend down, test it out. Search for it. Be honest. How's it feel? Still there? Better. Thank you, Father, for complete freedom right now. In the name of Yeshua. The rest of that pain, everything going on. Bend down. What's up? No pain. Glory to God. Restoration, my vision. Vision? Oh, praise God. Okay, let's go. Father, I just thank you right now. What's wrong? Can you not see far? Yes, Sorry. I had a, a stroke a few years ago, mm. and my vision was completely mm. destroyed. Mm. Then mm. God is healing and bringing mm. it back. I can tell because before I couldn't read. Mm. And as I was saying tonight, I could read some tonight. Oh, wow. So I know it's being restored right. already, but for the longest oh, right. time, I wasn't right. even able to read. Right, right, right. Yeah. So you take off your glasses. Can you read that? Not really. Okay. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Yeshua. I speak to these eyes. Brand new. Right now. Brand new in the name of Yeshua. Brand new. New eyes right now. Look. It's better. <laughs> it really is. It's better. It says Not bad, perfect. Spirit versus Spirit versus carnal carnal mind. Oh my word. <laughs> <laughs>
Which ear? Okay. Okay. Let's go for the ear first. You, you surely hear it there. Can you hear it at all? Very little. Okay. So, so you'll be able to tell the difference if, when you get healed. Okay. Okay. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, right now in the name you show. Lord, we just speak to his ear now. Speak to the eardrum, everything, any infection, I command you to go. And I thank you for freedom. Thank you for a brand new ear. Thank you. Thank you for freedom right now, Yahweh. 100%. Test out your ear. Can I. Is it better? Yeah. You say it's better? Yeah. Okay, but I want you to be totally honest. So, where are you at? Okay. Okay, which version there? Okay, 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 so far I just thank you for freedom, 100% God. Yes. We speak to the buzzing, we come on that tonight, so stop yes. now in the name of Yeshua. You will be silent. I thank you for freedom, Lord, right now, Lord. We speak to his infection, I command you to leave him now, 100% God, I thank you. For freedom right now in the name of Yeshua. Okay. okay. Test it on. What's up? Slightly. Slightly? Yes. Better? Yes. Better? Okay. Yeah. Where are you at? Like, uh, how, if uh, 10 is perfect. It's coming in, but just a little bit. Okay. How much better is it? Would you say it's. 75%. Okay. okay. Thank you, Father. Lord. speak to the rest of it now. And everything else will go. No, in the name of Yeshua, I command you. You stop right now. I command you to come out right now. This year, and I thank you for a brand new year, 100% restoration right now, in the name of Yeshua. Thank you for Okay, taste it out. Perfect. What? Make sure. Let's speak silent. I want you to listen. How? But how is it? Okay. Is it perfect or not? I can say it. It's not bad anymore. You can say it's perfect. It's great. Please all glory him. And and guys, you need to see. It's it's so simple. It's so easy. It's just just doing it's just just going and being like you know what i i don't know if i feel like i believe i'm gonna do it anyway and if it doesn't happen let's go again because doing is what faith is Amen. see it's as simple as that yeshua had doubts even as he i believe i, I believe even as he was ministering to those in front of him even his carnal mind came up against him even he had doubts now why do you think he had the, the mud to cover the faces because it's much easier to believe if you're seeing eyes closed and, eye, and a face full of mud. That's part of it. Because you're, he's not allowing his flesh to get in the way of what he, he needs to see. And see, that's why we cover the eyes, just as an example. You see, so it's, it's, it's that thing of you need to believe no matter what you're seeing right now. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith. By belief. By getting this thing out of our ways. Just picking up our cross and following Him. All the fear that this thing brings with, 
I, yeah, it can be there. Identify it and throw it out. It doesn't matter. God is faithful. You just saw it. This is a testimony of that. And it's not about me. He, he's faithful in each one of your lives. If you'll put yourself on the line for Him. If you'll come and, and say, you know what, I'm going to stand before people and I'll say, bring it on. Because my God, like Elijah, my Yahweh is my God. You know, pour the water over the altar. Do whatever you want to stop this miracle from happening. Because I believe that fire is going to come down anyway. So on that note, let's just let's, let's pray. Just, Father, I just thank you for tonight, Yahweh. I just thank you for your goodness and your mercy, your grace. And we thank you for everything you've done thus far and that you're still going to do tonight. And Yahweh, we just lift up your name high right now. And we ask that you would come and kill us. Kill us, our old nature. Yes. We want to die to ourselves, Father. We want to pick up our cross. We want to follow you. We want to walk as you walked. Father, we want to we want to be the we want to be the ones who hear follow me and run out of that boat. And Father, help us to not only run out of the boat and follow you, but never deny you. Never deny you before men by keeping quiet when you said speak. And so, Father, I just thank you for for the freedom tonight here. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would ignite a fire in the hearts of everyone here tonight. That when they leave this place, this would not be a little thing, like a one-day thing. And now if we feel good for a week and then it fades away. But, Father, let this be a thing that we carry day in, day out. And I proclaim, Lord, that this be a thing that rests on every person in this room, including myself. That we would not grow weary and we would not we would not grow come into this lukewarm state yet again where we grow comfortable with how everything is going, but let us be satisfied only by the miraculous because you're a miraculous God and you love to bless and, 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 and fulfill your promises in us. And so, Father, help us to be obedient to let those promises flow to us, Lord, because we know, Lord, you want to bless us. We know you, you love your bride. You love us, Father, and help us to be equally yoked with you. So on a platter, on a silver platter, we come today and we bring our hearts to you. And we say that you would come and enter our hearts. Have your way, no matter the cost, no matter what it means. We know you, we trust you with our heart. We trust you with everything we have. But that means we lay everything down. That means we give up all control. That means we're not holding on. We're not taking the driver's seat anymore. We're moving over so that you can drive. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord. We speak to all situations. We speak to finances right now in the name of Yeshua. Yeah. Everyone who's stressing about that, they're stressed about that. And we, I thank you, God, that you declare, Father, that you have got this and that this has only been a test. And you need to trust in me is what the Lord says. You need to, to trust Him because He cares. You think you've been working for that money. It's never been you that provides. That stable paycheck, it's never been about you. It's always been about Him. And even when it becomes unstable, it's still Him. Nothing changes. And so, Father, I just thank You for that, Lord. And Lord, I pray, Lord, over every disease and sickness, uncertainty, doubt in this room right now, the name of Yeshua, fear. Every spirit of fear in this room, we come on that to leave this place. Lord, I just thank You for boldness, Lord, for us, Lord, that we would carry, Lord, wherever we go, Lord. And pray all this in the name of Yeshua.